I'm Jay Mac. And I'm Jess. And you're listening to Base Code Podcast. Hello there. Hey. It was it was another deer in headlights moment. I yep. was like, is she gonna start or am I gonna start? I don't know. How's it going? Whoosh. Kind of rolling with the punches, you know? Who's punching you? Life. <laughs> <laughs> no, we quickly, quickly. I don't like, I'm not one for griping that much. I try not to anyway. But maybe like a month or two ago, we, we got like an investment property. It was just kind of like a opportunity we'd talked about for a long time. But like in retrospect, the timing of doing that was really dumb. Like it just wasn't the time. Like we have like with an eight month old. Yeah. Like I'm trying to run a global business by myself. Like <laughs> Ashley works full time, and like the thing, not only all that, of course, but then it like we knew it needed a pretty good amount of work. And like two or three years ago, we renovated our own house, and I like doing that stuff. I used to work construction in high school and like build things with my hands, like all that kind of stuff. Like yeah. I like it, but it just, it was overcommitted. So like, it's a great long term, but short term, it's just like really, really bad move. It was, it was bad move. So long term, it's going to be great, but short term, it is, it is kicking me in the teeth. Yeah, fair enough. And then more related to the, like, I guess, shift stuff and the podcast would be Laravel moved its release cycle back again yeah which ultimately means that there's going to be no release in 2021 so obviously that affects shift yeah just so yeah now on the bright side like so far the you know with some of these additional things like the workbench and some of the pricing increases for like unsupported versions you know that's been offsetting it but i definitely have not seen like the you know march and september spikes yeah. that used to occur and probably won't see them really ever again because it'll just be one release a year in January. So now January hopefully will be the spike. So, yeah, you know, totally understand all the decisions that are being made. Like I, I do objectively agree. Like people like maybe didn't fully understand like the new release cycle, like the major version releases that changed way back with Laravel 6. Yeah. Like I would get emails of like, hey, where's the, you know, 8.3 shift? Yeah. So I do think the initial idea of like slowing down and kind of letting people catch up made total sense. And then now, of course, to align with Symphony makes total sense. But yeah, ultimately, it, it means that there's no release this year, which, of course, as a service that helps you upgrade to the latest version, it's, you know, causing stress. <laughs> yeah, well, it. It makes you think, you know, yeah. it makes me think for a minute, like, oh man, uh, gosh, you know, it's the standard small business stuff, small business owner, like you're always worried you're going to get put out of the game somehow. Yeah. Especially when there's things that are kind of outside your control. Um, I mean, for a business like yours, you know, COVID probably hasn't really had much of an effect like it would have for a lot of other small businesses, but then there's different things that affect you know, your business. You know, again, everything's going like fine. Um, you know, maybe I won't hit those revenue milestones because of no releases this year, but like in general, like it's it's fine enough for me, you know, like and there's I think people underestimate the amount of outdated applications that are out there, you know. I mean yeah. Laravel's had a huge growth spurts over the last eight years almost, like 
it's just one of those things where there's probably thousands of production applications still running pre Laravel 5.5. You know, no one kind of in our circles or core team, you know, has maybe any of those apps, but like the rest of the world has a lot of them. Yeah. Sometimes like being in, you know, like the, the Twitter Laravel community, you kind of feel like every Laravel developers like of similar mindsets, but there's so many other people out there in the community that yeah, running all sorts of situations. Yeah. So for those reasons, like it, again, it's still doing fine. So not a huge deal, but like, you know, when you see those things and you got other stresses in life, it's just, you know, it kind of throws, those, you know, a little punch, a little yeah. punch. You got to, yeah, you know, bob and weave and get up and. But we've got like, we've got the, the tailwind shifts now. So there's like a little bit of, you know, spreading the, the baskets and whatnot. Exactly. So, you know, you just, you got to keep pivoting, you know, within kind of the core, the core set of services. So, you know, those, yeah, exactly. Those tailwind shifts that we put out a little while ago, they, they help. Uh, but the workbench um, has been, you know, off to a good start. So I, I really hope that continues and it's more of a premium product. So, you know, of course we feel comfortable charging a bit more for it, you know, than just kind of the ridiculously low price shifts. <laughs> yeah. And rather than like, pivoting like trying to pivot to a whole other community where we don't like have any audience there yeah you know by by being able to create tools that are still for like php and laravel community it kind of helps us stay where you know we've already put our attention and where we know things best and all that so i think the core focus has proven you know the way to go for a while now i've also thought though yeah let's branch out into something else you know like thought about rails early in the year as kind of just this full stack you know web framework that's been around for a long time i'm not as versed in rails as i used to be so like you said catching up with that kind of getting a foothold in the community maybe partnering with an influencer within that community or something you know to get it rolling yeah you know definitely is still something you know it's still an idea but it's just one of those things where yeah i think for now sticking with kind of the core Laravel focus makes sense. I mean, you could argue Tailwind's its own stack, but like, there's a, a lot, lot of, of crossover, crossover yeah. yeah, between Laravel and Tailwind. So it's it's really just putting your toe across the line, so yep. to speak. You're not really hopping the fence. Yeah. So, anyway. So, I thought it would be kind of cool to chat about some of the tasks that we built for Workbench and some of the the challenges and um some of the cool stuff about those. Absolutely. Yeah. I think kick on to kick on to more technical, you know, how it's built kind of stuff, how it runs. So we haven't really made any secret of the fact that some of the tasks use Rector as like a backend for them. Mm -hmm. But we've been pretty like pretty mindful that if there's any tasks that use like Rector without adding anything on it, we just include those as free tasks. Yeah. And that creates like a really nice usable front end to Rector because as much as I love Rector, it's a little bit annoying if you just want to run a quick, you know, Rector task. It wants you to set up config files and, you know, install dependencies and all this sort of stuff, which often if you're just running a one-off, yeah, it's a bit heavy. But then we also created some of our own Rectors, which has been, it's been pretty interesting. Like, you know, you've probably used a lot of abstract syntax tree stuff with Shift, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, Rector uses a lot of that. So that was, you know, some more exposure to that side of things for me, which was really interesting. Yeah. 
one thing I did want to touch on because I feel like it's a, a good little like pro open source tip. So the other day I found a bug with Rector and Rector's pretty hard to like to work with like until you get your head around it because it is like, you know, traversing through this tree and all these different nodes and all this sort of stuff. It, it's a deeply technical piece of code. Yeah. So I was able to write a test that failed because of the bug. And that to me is like the first step in any sort of bug solving generally is to try and yeah. write a test that replicates the problem because then it's, you know, you can start debugging how to fix it. In this case, I wasn't entirely sure where to start. So I submitted a PR to Rector with just the failing test. And I kind of described the scenario, what, you know, what I expected and all those sorts of things and was just like, hey, I'm happy to like PR the fix. I just need a little bit of help with it. And in this case, um, someone, I don't know if it's on, they're on the Rector team, but one of the community members at least jumped right in, gave me some pointers and then ended up just like going in and fixing the thing for me. So I would say that like if you have a bug with some open source software, if you don't know how to fix it and submit a PR to fix it, if you could at least submit a like failing test that's immensely yeah. helpful to you know people being able to easily see the problem and the test should always be like the most pared down basic version of the problem all the variables removed simple as possible so yeah but there's there's a lot of stuff there so let's <laughs> i think we'll spend the whole do. rest I just, of the episode I just talk for ages. <laughs> no no it's fine um i hope i remember all the things i want to cover well let's start with the we'll, we'll kind of work backwards let's start with that because as i've taken more of a support role in some of these projects we both have uh you know like the workbench but also i'm thinking of um you know laravel blueprint where like yeah you know it that obviously has a lot of support around it so the point i was going to make is you know let's talk about opening issues and you know submitting a failing test like that would be awesome but first of all if there's a template in an issue that you open you need to follow that template yeah don't just delete that whole template and say like it doesn't work because honestly the any maintainer of any project that gets an issue like that should just immediately close it yeah i think you have that right to do that yep. if someone's not even going to spend time trying to tell you what's wrong you know and that that can make some people on the other side mad there was someone on blueprint i was going back and forth with and I just started closing all their stuff because they would just open another one. And then when I closed it, they would open another one saying that, re oh, reference this one that you closed. Mm. And you know what? Ultimately, they actually had a legit bug. They were trying to report, but they went about it all wrong, you yeah. know? So, uh, you know, ultimately it all got fixed, all got handled, but it wasn't until there was more communication on what the issue was, not just like fix this, you know? Yeah. Communication in open source is like a massive thing. Yeah. So definitely be mindful to use the template, uh, you know, and then even beyond that, you know, before and after code snippets, like here's here's what it did output and here's what I expected. So even if you couldn't write the test, if you can yeah. kind of do here's what it did and here's what it expected, like the actual versus the expected, like that's on the way to a test, you know, and that, that does make it a lot easier see the issue right we all speak in code right we all yeah understand that so but sometimes some of the problems can be like so kind of abstract or removed from like what you know about the code that yeah if you can keep it simple like i say examples goes a long way 
Yeah. So let's go back to, I think, maybe the next main point was, like, you know, this, the tools Shift uses and, like, making it free and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So first of all, I think it's important to say the reality of all this is, depending on the license that your software has, kind of depends on how it gets used, right? Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of times when people think open source, they think free, but that's not really the way it kind of should be. It's the way it is, mm. I think, <laughs> but it's not necessarily the way it should be. Um, so, you know, you got to check the license and so forth. And and a lot of the stuff that Shift uses underneath, there's other tools, obviously, that Shift uses underneath. That doesn't mean that I'm going to give Shift away for free, you know? Yeah. So no more than Laravel should give Nova away for free, right? Like it's it's a piece of software that's built, yeah, on top of these other tools that maybe themselves are free, but it, it kind of packages all that up and, and provides value through some kind of service. Yeah. You know, that's the whole point of it. So we didn't necessarily have to make the rector task that we use free. It's just, you know, it was a philosophy. It was a practice. It, it just yeah. felt like the right thing to do to us. That doesn't mean it needs to be the thing that everyone else does, I guess, is, is what I am trying to say. Yeah. It doesn't even mean that's what we needed to do. It's just what kind of felt right. If we really just made simple config files to give you presets in a way and make it a more approachable tool, we just kind of drew the line there and said, if that's all we're really doing is it's free. Yeah. It's kind of like, like at the at one end of the, the scale, you've got like taking something open source and just selling it as is, which is like super yeah. shady. And then there's the other side where you use these very low level components and you make something entirely new out of it, which is what most people do. And then there's, you know, this sort of area in the middle. And I always think of like with our rector tasks, like we're not selling rector. We're selling a convenient interface to run a multitude of tasks that use a multitude of different tools. Yeah, exactly. And like, I don't think any, I don't think we used any Rector stuff for the cloud, um, like the original workbench before we did the desktop app. I don't think there was any Rector stuff in there. Yeah, I think prior to the workbench, there were probably only two or three Rector tasks. And those were the simple things like converting to class constants and stuff like that. But afterward now, yeah, we probably have at least a dozen maybe 15 yeah a couple of those like you said are our own that we kind of wrote or we made some interesting combinations of things rectors designed to write your own rectors as well like it's part of the documentation and the framework they provide you where you'll effectively like say what kind of files you want and what parts of files you're interested in so you're interested in methods or variable assignments and it'll just pass those into like the process or the refactor method, I think it is. And then you can just manipulate it however you want to for whatever, you know, refactoring job you yeah. need to do. And it's just this really lovely framework around that. It's a super powerful tool. I mean, out of the tools that Shift uses underneath, aside from like Nickix's parser, like it's probably one of the more powerful yeah, and like Rector uses Nickix parser as well, right? Like exactly, yeah. yeah. Everything boils down to to Nickix parser yeah. <laughs> somewhere. I think Laravel framework even has it underneath as a dependency somewhere. Yeah, so. right. But anyway, yeah. I mean, it, it's one of those things where definitely a cool tool. But I like what you said a second ago about you know the fact that like we're not we're not selling the use of Rector per se. We're selling managing Laravel and PHP applications through this 
simple one-click interface, yeah. right? We're giving you a way to do all these things. That's the piece. It's it's very akin to something like, you know, a GUI for Git. They're not selling Git. Yeah. They're selling the fact that you don't want to get down on the command line yeah. and write a bunch of commands that don't make any sense to you. You want to be able to click, you know, publish, and that does whatever Git thing underneath you know, that makes more sense to you. You want to be able to hit a button that says sync yeah. or whatever. Uh, you want to see visually the difference. You don't want to go through ASCII art on the command line, you know? Yeah. And there are those that will prefer to stay with the low-level tools. And exactly. That's awesome. And I, I'm one of the low-level people when it comes to Git. Yeah, so, you know, I think I think it's a good analogy, right? Like Git's open source. It's free. You can, you know, download it and put it on whatever you want. But if you want to buy one of these pieces of software that helps you use that in an easier way yeah. for, for some like you said then there it is yeah and that's 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 where we drew the line and I, so i think that was a really good distinction yeah it was also really cool how like like with rect normally you've got to install it as a dev dependency and like the way we managed to get around that so that you don't have to install it you can just literally like say one click run it without having to install, configure anything. That's pretty sweet. Yeah. I think that brings us all the way back to the very beginning. <laughs> and and maybe the gripe of Rector specifically was for such a powerful tool, it's like one of those great power, great responsibility things. Yeah. It's such a powerful tool. You have to establish a certain amount of knowledge just to be able to use it. Mm. Right. Like you said, you you have to write a config file, which doesn't it's not the most clear. It's like an abstract static class. You know, it's very technical. Right. And then you're setting these different properties and, and then you got to go digging through the documentation to figure out, well, which combination of of these, you know, rectors do I want to do yeah. to achieve my goal? So there, there's a lot of upfront work. And then to your point, even installing it, like I remember spending probably half a day figuring out how to in properly install it globally and mm. and send it the right options to run correctly right they yeah i remember even seeing a thread where i think the author was like yeah we don't that's not how you install it like yeah. don't don't do it that way yeah and hey that's totally fine but it again it kind of just makes the tool not as easy to use compared to something else when you run like php cs fixer or you know php code sniffer or whatever else you know these are tools that are kind of made to be installed globally, right? That doesn't make any sense to install it in every single project. You drop a config file in your project. Yeah. So it's just, it was kind of interesting. You know, there were a lot of interesting decisions in its architecture and the way it's used. Then it's changed its config file like 95 times. You used to be able to pass rectors on the command line, but now you got to have this config file. And then that config file changed from like YAML to PHP. Anyway, I could go on and on. The point is it's it's a great tool, but it's just, it's 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 kind of daunting to use and I wouldn't expect most developers to really spend the time to do that. So if we can present it in a way that makes it easier and maybe even becomes a gateway to like, whoa, look at all these other tasks. They're, they're using Rector. I could probably just use Rector to do these things that maybe the workbench doesn't do right now. Like then great. Yeah, absolutely. Like I imagine like one of the use cases for it is you do install it and run it constantly to like, almost like a CI thing to like catch any like 
yeah. you know, do any code smell fixes. But yeah, for, for Workbench, it's more just like go through, run it as a one-off. You can obviously run it again later if you need to, but one and done. Yeah. Like like we said, that's probably the largest addition to kind of Shift's tool belt was Rector for the Workbench. And you'll see it for most of the PHP tasks. I think there might be one of the Laravel tasks that leverages it. I can't remember which one now off the top of my head. There but... some like remove doc blocks ones. Like... Oh yeah, the yeah. yeah the remove doc block ones, of course. I thought there was one more, but most of the PHP ones, which again are free, um, you know, the converting switch to match, you know, uh, using like the null safe operator, stuff like that. Yeah, all the stuff like upgrading to PHP 8, you know, all those sorts of things. Yeah. There's no point in us rewriting that, like it's done. <laughs> yeah. But we've already found, what, probably at least one bug in each one of those tasks since we've launched this thing. So Yeah. And that's our way to give back too, right? That kind of creates the full circle. Like, yes, we're using this tool. Uh, we're very transparent about it. But then we're also, you have especially, what, submitted at least three or four issues, one PR that got merged that actually fixed something, this thing where you submitted the test. Yeah, I was able to fix one of the bugs I ran into. And we're going to continue to do that. So it creates a, a positive feedback loop. And, and that's kind of, in my opinion, how it should be. Definitely. So yeah, so it's, again, great tool. We'll link we'll link to the stuff in the show notes for it. But uh, but yeah, definitely something where hopefully we, we've wrapped it up in a way and, and, of course, paired it with dozens of other tasks that help it get used a little more readily. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, uh, I guess we'll see you next time. That sounds good. We will see you next time. <laughs> see ya. Show notes for this episode can be found at basecodefieldguide.com slash 39.